Isaiah, no, yes, from the book of Isaiah, the seventh chapter, starting at the tenth verse, we hear these words from the prophet. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, <clears throat> it is too little for you to worry. It is, let me start again. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to worry, mortals, that you worry, my God, also? Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son. And shall name him Emmanuel. And he shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Okay, understand a couple of things about this text. The first part of chapter 1 is all about the lineage of Jesus. It's all the genealogy. One time in my life, in my preaching, I went through and read about Uriah and Solomon and Rehoboam and blah, blah, blah. And all of these names that made, made sure that people knew that I did take one semester of Hebrew in seminary school. Um, but then we get to chapter 1, verse 18, which is... Matthew's version of the birth story of Jesus. And it runs on like this. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And this is the prophet Isaiah that we just read. Look, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son, and and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. And he 
Joseph named him Jesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. have a frog, so hopefully it's going to go away. So let's think today about what's in a name. You saw the children, some of the children have names of their fathers, their grandfathers, people that their parents loved, or their grandmothers in one case. My name, Erica L. Harley. Somebody said the other day, what's the L for? The L is for Lynn, which according to my birth certificate is spelled L-Y-N-N. However, according to my mother, who I think was there when my birth certificate was developed, it's spelled L-Y-N-N-E. Well, that's what somebody in your family says for sure. And uh, I always say to her, because she'll spell it, she'll spell, and she argues with me that I'm spelling it wrong. And I say, look, it's here on the birth certificate. How can I spell it wrong? And she'll say, nope, nope, it's L-Y-N-N-E. That's your name, Erica Lynn Harley. And I, I just, I don't get it how she misses it, but every time she does. So, you know, we all, many of us have some sort of legend surrounding our names. I was named because she picked a name that she liked. That's all. Um, But you see the children have names that are like their parents, their grandparents, their parents' friends, their grandmothers, all that kind of thing. And names are an interesting thing. You know, there's lots of legend Claiming that if someone can name something, then somehow you can claim that thing's essence. If you can name them, you can claim them. Think, for example, about Rumpelstiltskin. You know that story. Rumpelstiltskin... Once the firstborn child of the woman who is spinning straw on the spinning wheel. And he'll turn that straw into gold if she gives him her firstborn child. And when it comes time to pay the debt, she says to him, please, I'll do anything to get out of this. And he says, well, tell me my name. Tell me my name. And of course, he's thinking nobody will guess the name Rumpelstiltskin, but she does. And the deal is off, and he's furious. But she has power over him because of the name. Jews have a very special thing they do. In the church, what we do sometimes is a christening, which is... Supposed to be a naming ceremony, different from baptism, or originated that way anyway. But Jews, at the eighth day of a child's life, do a naming ceremony. You know, Zechariah, for example, 
Oh, and by the way, in all of these stories where we hear about angels and parents of miraculous children and all of that kind of stuff, the men say nothing. They're like the men in my family who just go, Ugh. They say nothing. You know, when the angel comes to Elizabeth, she has this beautiful thing that she goes on about, this beautiful prayer. And when the angel comes to Mary, we end up with the Magnificat, which is one of the most beautiful prayers and songs known to, in human history. And when the angel comes to Zechariah, he struck mute. Says nothing. Until day eight, when she says, the child's name will be John. And everybody around her is going, that's crazy talk, because nobody in your family is named John. And she says, the child's name will be John. And Zechariah writes it on a slate, says the child will be called John. And then he gets his voice back after he names the child. Showing that he's obedient to God, he gets to speak again. And the first thing he does is praise God for the glory of this child that will prepare the way for the one who is to come. We know the story of the eighth day of Jesus. Life when he's at the temple and, and Anna and Simeon see him. Simeon says to Mary, this child will be like a sword that will pierce your heart. Because he will save many. And Anna, who's done nothing but be in the temple for decades breaks out immediately into prayer the glory of this child. But watch carefully how he gets his name. Now remember that Jesus is called the Messiah, the son of David. And the first part of the book of Matthew runs through the line way back to David of every patriarch in the family 13 generations times 3. Till they get to Joseph? Not exactly. What it says in the last line is Matthaean was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph. Watch this. The husband of Mary. Of whom Jesus was born and who is called Messiah. See, the only way we can get to Jesus being a son of David and therefore being the promised Messiah is that he has to come through Joseph's lineage. But Joseph is not the earthly father of the child. So they connect him, Jesus, in the genealogy with Mary, the wife of Joseph. Hmm. 
it could appear that this is making a loud announcement. Hello, Jesus is not really Joseph's kid. Which is disgraceful in their time. But then you got to watch what else happens here. Because when the angel comes to Joseph, the angel says this thing. She will bear a son. She, Mary, will bear a son. And you, Joseph, you are to name him Jesus. For Jesus is the name that we know means he will save his people from their sins. Name him a name that shows who he is, the Messiah. And you do it, Joseph. You do it, Joseph, because then we know he's the Messiah, the son of David, who comes through your line to us. And on the eighth day, that's exactly what Jesus does. They go to the temple. They offer pigeons, not sheep. Pigeons are a poor man's offering, but they offer nonetheless pigeons. And they name their child Jesus, the one who will save us. And see, here's what's in a name. Because when Joseph names that child Jesus, he claims him as his own. There are people in this room who are adoptive parents. You know full well that the kids you adopt are no more or less yours than the kids that you birth. Jesus adopts, Joseph adopts Jesus into the family of David, which proves to us that he's the Messiah. The names are important, they matter. John is named. Jesus is named. There's one other place in the Bible where I think the names become important. It's at the resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. He is at the garden along with the women who come to anoint him and Mary, sweet Mary, who has followed him everywhere, does not recognize him. And he says to her, her name, Mary, it's me.
And as if scales fall from her eyes, she recognizes the resurrected Christ right before her in all his glory, shining, alive, and ready to bring new life to the people because Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, has come into the world to save his people. See, God knows us by name. Knows every hair on this graying head. Knows every cell in our bodies. Knows those to whom our names attach us. Knows that our names are about who we are and what we want and where we want to go. And God knows every bit of that about us. Because that's how much God loves us. But beyond that, God not just knows our name, but offered the name of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, to come and save his people. People just like us. That's what's in the name. Thanks be to God. Amen.